Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. It's always important when considering a particular teaching or line of thought on any subject to go back and test the origin of that teaching or thought. If you've ever wondered about certain religious systems, for example, be sure to research the history behind those systems and ask yourselves these questions. How did they begin? Who started them and what were their credentials? Is there a solid foundation upon which to rest my belief in those systems? Indeed, in the case of spiritual matters, are they trustworthy enough to rest the destiny of my very soul upon them? This is the subject of today's Anchor Point message as we look at the origins of the gospel, part one. We will explore the solid historical background of the Christian faith and the significance of an extremely unlikely convert, a strict Judaic Pharisee called Saul of Tarsus, in the eventual spread of the gospel message. We trust that this fascinating message will encourage you to delve deeper into the claims of Christ, not only in relation to the basis of Christianity, but as to its relevance to each of you on a personal level. The Apostle Paul in Philippians 3 verse 5 says that he was circumcised the eighth day, the eighth day after he was born, that he was of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Galatians 1 verse 6. I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel which is not another. But there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But... Though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion. Beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it, and profited in the Jews' religion above many mine equals in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the tradition of my fathers. But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the heathen. Immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. I'm afraid I'm going to have to weary you with a yet another reference to Richard Dawkins. I have often heard him say, this is the world's leading atheist, Mr. Richard Dawkins from Oxford, I have often heard him say that religion and belief in religion is nothing more than an accident of who your parents were and where you were born. 
So in his book, The God Delusion, in page 3, he says these words, If you are religious at all, it is overwhelmingly probable that your religion is that of your parents. So he will take on a Christian in a debate, perhaps, and he'll just say, Listen, mate, you are a Christian. Okay, fine. If it helps you, that's all right. But had you been born in Afghanistan, you would be a Muslim. And had you been born in India, you'd be a Hindu. Come on, admit it. Go to Afghanistan. They're all Muslims. Go to, you know, Christian England. Most of them are Christians. It's just an accident of how you were born and who your parents are. And of course, that's undeniably true that the vast majority of people are just nominally Christian, Muslim, Hindu because of an accident of history. We know that. But to take that to the next conclusion that Mr. Dawkins would like us to take us to, no, no, we're not going to go there, because he would like to say that there's absolutely no proof that one religion is right or wrong and there is a divine author of a true religion. It's just an, an accident of history. So what we're going to do is we're going to answer a fool according to his folly. Let's turn this argument round on Mr. Dawkins. Mr. Dawkins, if you had been born in Afghanistan, you would be a Muslim. See, what he's trying to say is, I'm an enlightened atheist, and I've chosen this atheism because I'm an intellectual person, and I've examined all the options, and the vast majority of people are atheists, not because they sat down and thought it painfully through and looked at all the options. No, we were looking at the reason why most people choose atheism. It is a volitional choice because it gets rid of God and allows them to do their own thing. Turning him back on Dawkins, listen Mr. Dawkins, had you been born in Afghanistan, you'd have probably be a Muslim. What does that prove? Well, having done that, let's have a look at what we've been looking at here in Galatians chapter 1. Because this argument that the gospel, Christianity, is all just an accident of who your parents are and where you were born, is exploded by Galatians chapter 1. Now, here we are this afternoon in Canada. How did the gospel get to Canada? So let's do a little tour of history and trace the gospel back. Well, the gospel would have come to Canada originally from Europe. How did the gospel get to Europe? Well, let's trace the, the gospel back through European history. The very first person ever to preach the gospel on European soil was Paul. The gospel had never been heard in Europe until Acts chapter 16 when Paul went to Philippi and down by the riverside there he preached the gospel and Lydia was saved. So if we're tracing back where Christianity came from, Canada to, to Europe and so on, it all lands back at the feet of this man, Paul. Oh, you say, so it came from Paul. No, but there's a problem in saying that the gospel came from Paul. Of all the people that have ever lived on planet Earth, the person least likely, naturally, to believe and promote the gospel is Paul. Of all the billions and billions of people that ever lived, I cannot think of anybody about whom it would be more counterintuitive to think that they would believe the gospel and they would preach the gospel and they would take the gospel than Paul. You say, well, well why, why not? Well, let's just think about what the gospel involves. The gospel involves the person and work of Christ and getting saved by believing through faith alone. So we've basically got three elements there. The person of Christ, the work of Christ, and faith alone in him. What would Paul have thought of those three things? Well, who was Paul? We read about Paul in, in uh, both in Galatians 1 and in Philippians chapter 3. Paul is actually going to great lengths here to say, not only am I a Jew, 
I am about as Jewish as it is possible to be. I can tell you what tribe I'm from. I am a Benjamite. I'm not just a Hebrew. I am a Hebrew of the Hebrews. I'm not just an ordinary run-of-the-mill Jew. I am from the strictest religious sect in Judaism called the Pharisees. I keep every law that I, I can possibly keep. I was circumcised the eighth day. I am totally and absolutely committed to Judaism to the point that anybody who breaks one of the laws of Judaism, I will take it upon myself to hunt them down and put them to death. And as for the person of Christ, the work of Christ, and this business of getting saved by faith, I repudiate the whole thing as blasphemous. The person of Christ. So Christianity, says young Paul, young Jewish Paul, Christianity wants us to believe in this person, Christ. And they're saying that this person is equal with God. That he's the eternal son, the eternal equal with him, that he can forgive sins. That he's the Lord of the Sabbath. What utter blasphemy. I repudiate it. The person of Christ, he should be stoned. The work of Christ, these people are saying that he died on the cross for our sins. Anybody who dies on the cross, according to my religion, is cursed of God. Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. No one that hung on a tree could ever be considered my saviour. I repudiate it completely. And as for this business of getting your sins forgiven by just faith, faith alone, you just believe and your sins... What utter blasphemy to suggest that the Jewish law, somehow you don't need it anymore. You just believe in Christ and... What about all the commandments? What about keeping all the... What about the dietary laws? What about the, the feasts? What about all the laws connected in the ceremonies and the rites and the privileges of Judaism? I absolutely and completely repudiate the gospel. So now we have a problem. On the one hand, we're looking to Paul as the one who brought the gospel to Europe. And yet Paul is saying, couldn't have been me. Couldn't possibly have been me. I'm the least likely candidate to ever believe or promote the gospel. So here's Mr. Dawkins now. What's Mr. Dawkins going to do with Paul? Mr. Dawkins says, it is overwhelmingly probable that you're just going to live and die with what you grew up with, with the religion of your parents. But we have this enormous problem. We have in our hands here a Bible and huge chunks of this New Testament Christian Bible was written by the man I've just described to you, who would repudiate utterly in every fibre of his being the person and work of Christ and salvation by faith. You say, well, how do we square this circle? How do we join the dots here? So we've got the origin of the gospel going back to Paul, and yet we've got this evidence that Paul is the least likely person on planet Earth ever to believe and preach the gospel. Well, Paul answers it for us in Galatians. He says in Galatians chapter 1 and verse 11 and 12, he says, well, actually the gospel didn't start with me. The gospel is not of man. It is not by man. It is not through man. It is not according to man. So someone will, well, what happened to you, Paul? Oh, uh, well, let me tell you. I was on the road to Damascus one day and in my pocket was a letter signed. God's representative on planet Earth, the high priest, the man that wears the ephod, the man with the breastplate, 
The man who has direct communication with God through the Urim and the Thummim. The grand successor of Aaron. I've got a letter in my pocket signed by him. And that letter gives me permission to wipe Christianity off the face of the earth. To sink every Christian into the lowest dungeon in the Roman Empire. And that is what I intend to do. This is my calling in life. Every zealous bone and fibre of my body is going to be put into this great work of crushing Christianity before it can get a grip. And suddenly, at noon, there was a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun. And I fell to her and I heard a voice. Whose voice did you hear, Paul? I heard the voice of somebody who I thought was dead and finished. I heard the voice of somebody who I thought had rightly been crucified and was finished. Was dead and gone, whose name I hated, whose name I reviled, whose followers I cursed. I heard his voice, and the voice said to me this, I am Jesus. I don't think we have any comprehension of the explosion in the mind and soul of Tarsus at that moment in time. There is no other explanation for the New Testament, for the origin of the Gospel, for the truth and the exclusivity and the authority of what we believe than what I have just described to you. That this man, that Paul, this would be, if Richard Dawkins came out tomorrow and said I was a Christian, it would not match what we've just described here. This is described in verse 12. I didn't receive it of man. I wasn't taught it. I received it by revelation of Jesus Christ. Revelation. Revelation. He says in verse 15 of Galatians 1, when it pleased God to reveal his son in me. Now, you might not have thought, perhaps, that the conversion of the Apostle Paul is a particularly significant thing. You might think, well, it's all about the resurrection and we can prove the resurrection so on. The conversion of the Apostle Paul is right up there as one of the greatest evidences that Christianity is true. Because we trace the Gospel back to Paul and his conversion must have been a work of God. The truth of the Gospel that came to him must not have originated with him because of his religious background. And so the fact that Paul was the first man to bring the gospel to Europe is proof positive that something divine has happened. Something supernatural has happened. The course of that man's life has changed on the Damascus Road. Back in our country, a couple of hundred years ago, there were two young men at university. One was called George Littleton, and the other was called Gilbert West. They were quite well-known chaps, and George Littleton became an MP eventually. He was Lord... George Littleton. But they were both questioning the Bible, questioning Christianity. They had imbibed some of the rationalism of the day. And they'd come to believe that the Bible was really not true at all. And not a correct account of what had really happened. And so, at the end of the spring term at university, they got together and they said, why don't we both write a book to destroy and discredit Christianity? So, Gilbert West said, I'll write a book destroying the credibility of the Bible's claim that Jesus rose from the dead. Good idea, said George Littleton. What are you going to write on? George Littleton said, I'll write a book to destroy the credibility of the conversion of Paul. 
So if we can destroy the credibility of the resurrection, that's the end of Christianity. And if we can destroy the credibility of the conversion of Saul, we've got the gospel and the New Testament in ruins, in tatters. And during the summer holidays, they got out their Bible and they got out various books and they started researching. And So, September rolled around, they come back to school. And Gilbert said to George, Well, George, how did you get on? And George says to Gilbert, Um, you go first, Gilbert. You, you tell me how you got on. Well, Gilbert says, Well, actually, uh, I came to the opposite conclusion that I had intended. Because when I actually studied the resurrection and looked at the circumstances of it and history and the, the writings of the, I actually have come to the conclusion that the resurrection is true after all. In fact, I have believed in the gospel. I have become a Christian. He was expecting an eruption from George Littleton. A big smile came on George Littleton's face. He said, oh, Gilbert, you're not going to believe this. The same thing happened to me. I discovered when I got to the book of Acts and read the New Testament and the epistles and Galatians, I couldn't disprove the conversion of the Apostle Paul. Quite the reverse. I came to the conclusion that he must have been converted. There is no other explanation. He, of all people, is the, is the one who promoted and, and preached the gospel and revealed. And I too, I too have become a Christian. You can check this up yourself. George Littleton and Gilbert West both became Christians having set out to seek to destroy Christianity. I find that absolutely fascinating because we're dealing in a society where especially young people don't stop to think about the origin of ideas that are being promoted to them. So you could sit down and watch a Hollywood movie and enjoy it. You might think, oh, wasn't that a lovely movie? Without realizing that the entire movie is promoting, let's say, postmodernism or existentialism or relativism. Because behind the uh, promotion of Hollywood and, and so on, there are worldviews coming through it. And it's absolutely fascinating to trace these worldviews back to their origin. And you see, when you find out the origin of ideas, it's absolutely fascinating to think, ah, oh, now I know why that man believed what he believed. Look at the life he lived. Look at where he was from and look, look at the results of it. We can trace the religions of this world back to their source. So we're asking this question now. Where does this business about being saved come from? Where does this business about being a sinner and you need to get saved and it's through the person and work of Christ and it's by faith alone, without works. Where did that preposterous idea come from? Who ever thought of that? And the historians get their books out and they go back and they find that all roads lead to Paul. And yet Paul says, I didn't make it up. No, 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 no. I couldn't possibly have made it up. You know, one of the things that people that are against Christianity often say is that you know, Peter and James and John, they, 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 of course they really existed and Jesus really existed, but they were all pretty much illiterate first century fishermen and, and they sort of followed this man Jesus and he, he did various things. And, and then, you know, when he died, they kind of felt sorry and you know what it's like when someone dies, you start saying how wonderful they were and you know, you start looking back with rose-tinted spectacles. And, and so, things that Jesus did, they kind of started, you know, getting a life of their own. And, and myths and legends started building up. And, and, you know, 
Jesus never actually said he was God at the time. I mean, where does it say that in the Bible? So now what happened was these disciples kind of looked back and they kind of made this up, you know. They were looking back and thinking, well, you know, he was really God. And they, they just concocted this whole religion. And Jesus never actually claimed to be God and didn't really do all these miracles and things. But they, they just sort of made it up. The most unlikely people on the face of the earth to make up that a man is God are the Jewish people. Why is that? The Jews belong to a monotheistic religion. And they repeat, as often as they can, something called the Shema. The Shema is a little passage from Deuteronomy chapter 6. Some of them actually love this Shema so much, they tie it onto their wrist in a little scroll. Some of them don't even mind wearing a box on the front of their forehead called a phylactery. And inside the phylactery, written out, in Hebrew, is the Shema. Some of them will put it on a little box, just going in the front door of their house, and as they go in, they'll touch it, to remind them of the Shema. Deuteronomy 6. You say, what is the Shema? Let me quote it to you. The Lord, our Lord, is one Lord. There is one. Jehovah, the eternal I am, revealed himself to our fathers, to Moses, to Abraham. Brought Abraham out of idolatry. The idols of the heathen, their polytheistic religion. No, 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 there's no such thing as many gods. There is one transcendent creator God. And anybody that says they're God, or thinks they're God, or imagines that they can in somehow represent God in wood or stone, is a blasphemer. Away with them from the earth. Stone them to death. This is the culture of Judaism. This is the Old Testament revelation to them. The Lord our Lord is one Lord. And so when Jesus said, I and my Father are one, John chapter 5, John chapter 10, when he claimed to be able to forgive sin and so on, what did they do? Did they shrug their shoulders and say, oh well, you say you're God then, well what can we do? They took up stones to stone him. Why? Because he, being a man, made himself equal with God. And yet the atheist, the skeptic, the infidel, wants to concoct this story that these people, the Pauls and the Peters and the Johns and the James, happily and with abandon concocted out of thin air a religion to say that a man was God. Impossible absolutely counterintuitive and impossible. Yes, the Apostle Paul could say in Galatians chapter 1, verses 11 to 12, I certify of you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not of man. For neither I received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by revelation of Jesus Christ. No, my friend, Paul did not make up his own version of Christianity, neither had he learned it from anyone else. Through a conversion nothing short of miraculous and further revelations of the truth of God, Paul penned a large portion of the New Testament, along with long-standing eyewitnesses, to convince the world that the claims of the Lord Jesus Christ were true. These were real people in history, who through undeniable experience came face to face with the person 
and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. They had to do something with the facts before them. What about you? We trust that you will consider the evidence and come to trust in the same Savior that they came to know. If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you to understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at email at anchorpointradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad that you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by believers in Christ who are meeting at various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday as well as other meetings such as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. No collection is ever taken and a very warm welcome awaits you. If you've been challenged by today's message and would like to know more about the truth of the gospel or of gathering under the name of our Lord Jesus Christ following New Testament principles, take a look at our website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the gathering center nearest you. My name is John Sharp, and thank you once again for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that Christ alone is the anchor for the soul.